I'm Lonnie Diane Rich, and this is How Story Works. We've been talking about big concepts in character, the types of characters, the character triangle, writing vulnerability, but there are a lot of smaller topics that contribute to building and appreciating character, and that's what we're going to talk about today, the keys to character. The first thing I'm going to talk about is having a likable character. For writers, if you've written anything that you've ever let anyone else read, you've probably heard it. Your protagonist isn't likable enough. When you get this feedback, it is indicative of a problem, but the problem isn't likability. This is, however, a common way to phrase the more accurate reality. I'm having trouble connecting with your character. First of all, let's just do away with the likability myth. Sherlock Holmes, Walter White, Annalise Keating, Tony Soprano, Gregory House, Spike from Buffy, Tyrion Lannister, Red from Orange is the New Black. Do I need to keep going? That's just off the top of my head. Great characters don't need to be likable, even if they're protagonists. They need to be a solid mix of strengths, weaknesses, and vulnerabilities, with a spotlight on vulnerability. You don't need a capital G good protagonist. That is literally the most boring character you can write, the white hat who is so perfect and good that they will never do bad things, they will never fail, they will never make a mistake, and they will never have true vulnerability. Those characters are boring, predictable, they have no place to go, nothing to learn, and no one enjoys them. All strengths and no weaknesses makes Jack a very, very dull character. You don't have to make your character an anti-hero, but you can. Walter White is a drug-dealing murderer, but he's dying of cancer and he loves his family, and his motivation, at least at the start, is to make sure he leaves something behind for their security. So the bottom line is, your character does not have to be likable. They need to be sympathetic, and vulnerability, as we've talked about at length, is the key to solving that problem. The second key is balancing weaknesses with strengths, giving the character flaws, and making the character face those flaws and the consequences that arise from them. So that's simple enough. Everything you've already learned in this course will help you avoid this problem. But it's also important for the writers out there to know that the feedback that the character isn't likable enough is just code for a poorly balanced character triangle. Next, I want to talk a bit about character arcs versus character breaks. A character arc is what happens when you take a flawed character and put enough pressure on them that they change fundamentally. Whether they change for the better or the worse is up to you. But the true effect of pressure and challenge on a character is change. Look, when things are going well or when things aren't going badly enough, people don't change. They stay the course. They do things the way they've always done them. It's only when something important enough to them is at risk, like a highly personal active goal, or when things get bad enough you have heard about rock bottom, that they will do things differently because enough pressure has been put on them to motivate that change. This change will happen slowly. They will fight it the whole way, and it will be, once it happens, fully earned. That is a character arc, and it's wonderful. Now, just for the record, you don't have to arc your character in order for a story to work. That said, remember in the very beginning of this course how I talked about how we can tell the meaning of a story by seeing what has changed? Well, when your protagonist changes significantly, that gives us meaning. And since characters are the most important part of your story, the most powerful and significant meaning will come from how this experience changes them. And while we're on this topic, let's revisit that for better or worse thing. Your character does not have to change for the better. 
Some arcs, especially in larger scale stories like television shows or novel series, can dip into serious darkness and still work well. One of the best examples of a beautiful character arc that goes from light to dark and then back to something in the middle is Wesley Wyndham Price from the television series Angel. While Angel has its problems and the first two seasons are good but not great, if you want to study the most amazing character work, watch all five seasons with a focus on Wesley. You will not be disappointed. Other great long-term character arcs are Sawyer from Lost, Spike from Buffy, Tony Stark as he moves through all the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Fitz from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Hermione in the Harry Potter books. All right, so that's a character arc, slow and earned. A character break is the exact opposite. It's immediate, unearned, out of nowhere, and often temporary. Character breaks usually serve one of two purposes, a plot device or a joke. Look, writers are clever people. We like cool ideas, shiny things. And sometimes we get a cool idea and we really want to play with that idea, even if it doesn't fit the story or the character. When we're more in love with the idea than we are faithful to the story and the character, we can make this mistake. And I say we because, darlings, I've done it. Usually for me, I get a joke in my head and then I just really want to go for the joke. But going for the joke means I need to make my character say or do something out of character. I will say that most of the time I catch myself and edit it out, but not always, especially in my earlier work. I will tell you a story about a book I wrote with Jennifer Cruzy and Ann Stewart called Dogs and Goddesses. We had a scene in which the antagonist, a Mesopotamian goddess called Kamani, woke up her entranced goddesses with a potion in the form of a weird sort of Kool-Aid drink. There was a scene I wrote where one character said something like, looks like Kool-Aid, and another said, smells like Jonestown. Now, that's a crude and offensive joke, but it tickled me. I thought it was funny. And you know, it was. But my good friends, Jenny and Anne, would not let me have it because it broke character. Because none of the characters we were writing would make a joke like that, and if forced, it would break the character. Finally, we killed the joke. But I can tell you, if it had been just me on that book, I probably would have left it in. Character breaks happen for a lot of reasons, all of them understandable, especially in bigger scale stories like TV series and long-running novel series. A clever idea is fun, and I can't tell you how many hours I've wasted trying to get a clever idea to work in the context of a story and a character that just wouldn't allow it. I can't imagine if I was part of a television series with 100 plus episodes, or writing a novel series with 10 or 12 books in it already, how hard it would be to resist doing something clever and new for the sake of being clever and new, even though it breaks character, or sometimes breaks the world. So when it happens to you, writers, or when it happens in the work of your favorite writers, critics, be kind, understand. But don't put up with it, because it's still undisciplined, and it creates worse stories. The next thing I want to talk to you about today is character names. This is mostly going to be of use for the writers, but critics, you can get value from this too. Having an awareness of the power of naming can be valuable when you're wondering why you have trouble remembering who is who in some works. Writers, the biggest missed opportunity in character writing is naming. I swear to God this is true. The most bang for your writing buck comes with this seemingly simple process. There are three basic types of names. Common, weird, and unusual. Common names are names that we see frequently in our culture. Jim, Sarah, Bob, Jen, John, Karen, Michael, Mary. Basically, any first or last name that shows up more than five times in your contact list on your phone, it's common. The problem with common names is that they're like gum that's been over chewed. They lose their flavor after a while. 
When you've known a thousand Jens and Johns, there ceases to be any personality associated with the name because you've seen it so much. That's not to say that there aren't times when you might want to use a name like this. Writing a boring character that you want to get across as boring right from the jump? Call him John or Bob. No one will associate anything with those names. No offense to any Johns or Bobs out there. Some of my favorite people on the planet are named John and Bob. But for characterization, it's a missed opportunity. The bottom line with common names is that you are perfectly welcome to use them, but be careful. If your entire book is littered with Mikes and Susans, your reader is going to have trouble keeping them all straight in her head. Okay, so let's hop straight to the other end of that spectrum, the weird names. We see these a lot in science fiction and fantasy stories, names that have a strange combination of vowels or consonants or are sprinkled with apostrophes. Zazadosia, Osferin, Baoblamar. These can be useful when you're writing alien cultures or fantasy worlds. They come in handy because you don't expect anyone on a lost planet of Calderonia to be like, hey, I'm Susan. That said, try to lay off the weird combination of vowels or consonants that make the names inaccessible to people trying to sound them out in their heads. The perfect middle ground is the slightly unusual name. The Walters, the Ophelias, the Benders, the Lorelei. Each of these names is unusual enough that we don't already have 12 of them in our contact list. Your reader is not likely to confuse Eulalie and Jennifer, but she might not be able to distinguish Karen from Sarah. Using a slightly unusual name, especially for supporting characters who don't exist on every page, can help your reader remember that character more readily when she shows up again, scenes, or maybe even chapters later. Another thing you want to keep in mind when naming characters are repetitive first letters and repetitive sounding names. If you have a story with a Jim, a John, a Jennifer, a Jackie, and a Josie, it can be hard for your reader to keep track, especially in a novel. A handy strategy for avoiding this problem is creating a character name bible. This is a simple document, spreadsheets work well here, with a line for each letter of the alphabet. Every time you name a character, you put it next to that letter. When you see yourself with a ton of characters with the same first letter, switch it up a bit. I have found in the past that for some reason I am most likely to use M or J names. I have no idea why. But using a naming Bible keeps me from overdoing it on any one letter, and it also forces me into a more thoughtful and conscious state when naming characters. You never want to name a character casually. Always work to find the right name. Another thing you want to avoid is repetitive sounds. I love names that have an E sound at the end. Jamie, Maggie, Jenny, Daisy, Sherry. That kind of thing can get old after a while, and especially in film and television. That's going to stand out. But even in books, it can be a problem. Most readers sub-vocalize while reading, which means they perform the word in their head. So this sort of thing can become repetitive for them after a while, too. A handy strategy for getting great names is using a baby naming website. Go and scan through what's there. Find what appeals to you. You'll see names you wouldn't think of right away that have flavor and style to them. You can search for names by family descent. Maybe your character comes from an Irish or Iranian family. That can help you find interesting, less common names. Another strategy is using an interesting last name. Mulder, Scully, Spicoli, Cooper all great names, and it takes the pressure off the first name a bit if that's generally how people refer to those characters. Okay, that's it for today. If you have questions about how story works, call 302-643-CHIP. That's 302-643-2447 and leave a message. Or you can email me at Lonnie at Chipperish.com or contact me on Twitter at Lonnie Diane Rich or at Chipperish with the hashtag HowStoryWorks. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider reviewing it on iTunes and sharing it with your friends on social media. The more the word gets out, the more podcasts I'll be able to make. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>